if we're striving for greatness, which we should be doing, we have to know what it looks like, and we have to know how we get there. So the question of greatness implies the imperative for growth, for change. The assumption is you're not great, but you'd like to be great, or greater than you are. I would like to assume everyone in the yeshiva came here to change, some kind of change. Growth is change. If you chose us, one of the things you obviously wanted to change was your ability to independently study texts. Hopefully, you also came to change your commitment to learning and mitzvah performance. And even more, hopefully, you came to improve your character traits. Secret. All growth, all change, requires hard work. That's the first thing. It also requires clearly defined goals. So the definition of goals is very elusive and it's also very important. And there's a great difference between defining goals in a secular endeavor and defining goals in a spiritual activity and endeavor. The role of motivation in a secular activity is simply to accomplish the defined goal. Deeper motivation beyond the defined goal is not part of the process. Two examples. A carpenter, he wants to build a high-quality table. That's the goal. Another person wants to earn a million dollars. You guys probably relate to the second one more than the first one. Both have to have a plan on how they're going to accomplish that goal. But motivation is limited to accomplishing the goal. The carpenter wants to build a quality table and it is of no interest to the carpenter whether the table, whether the purpose for that table is a dining room table to eat a meal, a poker table for gambling, or a table to have room to put lots of svarim so you can learn better Torah. Completely irrelevant to the carpenter. All he wants is a good table. The same token, the person who wants to earn a million dollars, the goal is to earn a million dollars. He doesn't need to define the purpose for those million dollars. What is he going to do with those million dollars? That doesn't need to be part of the goal, part of the plan. He needs a perfect plan to make the money, to execute the plan, and that's as far as it goes. In spiritual activities, purpose and intent are fundamental. Writing a section of the Torah on a piece of parchment in order to hang it up in your living room as a decoration. So that has no spiritual value. Writing the exact same words on the exact same piece of parchment 
with the intent of putting it in tefillin for the mitzvah. So that imbues it with inherent sanctity. So we see here that in a spiritual endeavor, the purpose is part and parcel of the goal. It will define whether you succeeded in your goal or not. Studying a section of Talmud in order to pass an entrance exam to a university Jewish studies program. That's not the same activity as somebody studying exactly that same section of Talmud desired by a motivation to know divinely revealed Torah. Motivated to acquire an additional connection to the Almighty. They're doing exactly the same activity. (coughs) And as a secular activity, all you need to do is figure out how am I going to figure out that Talmud better so I can pass the test. The purpose becomes a defining element in the activity that you were engaged in. So in defining goals for your spiritual activities, hopefully that's what you're here for. You're not here just to study Talmud better so you can get into a Jewish studies program. You need to include the ultimate motivation for those goals. In every area, you want to include a motivation of greatness. The carpenter certainly wants his table to be great. The quarterback wants his pass or his fake handoff to be great. And Lahavdil, you should want what you undertake to incorporate an element of greatness. Now, you've got to be careful not to let the Yetzirah get you. See, the Yetzirah could tell you, well, what does greatness in Torah look like? Or, what does greatness in basketball look like? Michael Jordan. No way. So forget it. <laughs> Reb Chaim Kanievsky. No way. So forget it. So, greatness is not you being judged relative to somebody else, not relative to your friend, not relative to your Chabrusa, not relative to Chaim Reb Chaim Kanievsky. You are measured by how well you actualized your potential. But there always has to be now the motivation, why am I doing it? We mentioned in the introductory Shidduch seminar that people want to get married. And maybe that's even one of the motivations why you came here. It's because you want to find your bashir, you want to find a shidduch. But you forgot to ask the question, why? Why do you want that? That's where we have to go to a higher level if you're really involved in a spiritual activity. So certainly we need role models to have an insight to what greatness is supposed to look like. And it's true if you want to actualize your potential in sports. And it's true if you want to actualize your potential in learning. And, and this is what we're going to discuss today, if you want to actualize your potential in character growth, in character traits, 
in Midos. You need role models. So we're going to focus today on Midos. And we're going to start with Chesed. But it's a paradigm for lots of other Midos. So Chesed, acts of kindness, can have lots of motivations. We talked about spiritual activities having a motivation as part and parcel of the plan of the activity. So the most mundane motivation in doing chesed is in order to receive reciprocal benefit. That's pretty much the way the world works in chesed. I'm going to do for you, and I expect to get back something from you. It's a barter. It's an exchange. Reciprocal benefit from the recipient. That's a motivator for chesed. That's obviously not a spiritual activity. A more elevated motivation, which has already come on the radar screen, is what a number of years, it's already, I think, close to 20 years since the book was written, pay it forward. You guys know what pay it forward means? I'm going to do something good for you, and what you should do, in, in, instead of giving me back a favor, is do a favor for somebody else. But where's the motivation there? The real motivation is, I want to live in a world where people are nice to each other. That's also not a spiritual activity. That's a very functional activity. I want to be in a world where people are nice. How do I do that? I'll be nice to you, and you should be nice to him, and he should be nice, and then we live in a world where everybody's nice. That's not a spiritual activity. That's a functional activity. It's how do we want to construct society. The root motivation is focused on the individual. So what's the most elevated, purest motivation for the acts of kindness? It's a desire to imitate the Creator. That's a spiritual activity. And the Gemara teaches us. Gemara in Sota commands us, Halech achar midosav shel Baruch Follow the midos, the qualities, the attributes of the Almighty. Mahu malbish arumim, just as he clothes the naked, afata malbish arumim, kodesh borchu biker cholim, afata biker cholim, kodesh borchu checks in on the sick, you should check in on the sick. Mahu nichim avelim, he comforts the mourners, afata kvor mesim, so we're, we're being taught, the phrase in the Musr works is, Mahu Afata. You're being commanded, and it's a commandment of the Halachta Bidrachav, Bidavakta Bo, to follow the Midos of HaKadosh Borchu, to be godlike. That's already a whole different level and a whole different motivator of Chesed. Now, this Gemara is the source for a Rambam. The Rambam in Hilchos Deos, it's the place where he introduces Lahalacha, what he developed in, in his introduction to Pirkei Avos. I think what it's called in English is the golden mean. It's the balance to not to be in any extreme. And the Rambam says that the person is supposed to find the perfect balance in his midos, in his character traits, because, says the Rambam, that's the way of the Almighty. We're fulfilling the way, the Derech Hashem, when we do that. 
And then the Rambam, in that halacha, quotes a verse from this past week's parsha, And that teaches the unique aspect of Avram's Midos. So the Pesach says, when HaKadosh Baruch Hu is, so to speak, contemplating, telling Avram about the coming destruction of Zedom, so HaKadosh Baruch Hu is deciding, I have to share, my, share this with Avram. Why? Because I know I'm connecting to Avram that he will command his children after him, Vishamru Derech Hashem, that they will keep the way of Hashem. And what is that defined as? Lasot Umishpat. That the Derech Hashem is defined as Tzedakah Umishpat. And the Rambam says that that's HaKadosh Baruch Hu telling us this defines the way a human being behaves in a godlike fashion. So, Avram introduced the idea of behavior motivated by the intent to imitate the divine. Till then, there was also chesed going on in the world. They did not, they, they, there were, I mean, okay, the Dora Mabel was a dysfunctional society, God destroyed it. But basically, the world was able to function. In fact, says the Gemara, 26 generations before the Torah was given, 26 generations before the Torah was given, Derech Eretz had to be in the world. Derech Eretz means proper functioning of society. Okay, the Gemara proves it. Chavav Doros, Kodma Derech Eretz, La Torah, Shenemar, Lishmor Derech, Eitz HaChayim. Then it talks when, when Adam was kicked out of Gan Eden. Lishmor Derech, Eitz HaChayim. Eitz HaChayim, hopefully everybody associates Eitz HaChayim with Torah. What came first? Lishmor Derech, says the Maharal in his introduction to Pirkei Avos, based on that Gemara, Derech refers to Derech Eretz, and that was from the beginning of the world. 26 generations, make the calculation, you'll figure out that Moshe Rabbeinu lived in the 26th generation, 10 from Avram to Noach, 10 from Noach to Avram, and then another 6 generations till Moshe. So, Derech Eretz has to proceed. But that's functioning society. Avram upgraded it to a different level. Avram's behavior was motivated by imitating HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Derech Hashem. I'm doing it not because it's going to benefit society, not because it's a nice thing to do, but because I'm going to imitate the divine. Where do we see this? So there's an amazing medrash on this coming week's Parsha. Okay? This week's coming week's Parsha, Sarah dies, and Avram goes to bury Sarah. And the Pasuk says, after he buys, right, the uh, the Maras HaMachpelo, the Achar came cover Avram Esara Ishto, El Me'araz Le'amachpelo, Asher Al Pnei Mamre, He Chevron Be'eretz Kenan. After he bought it, he buried her. The Achar came cover Avram Esara Ishto. Sounds, that, that doesn't sound very great, doesn't sound very surprising. He buried his wife. Says the Medrash, Rodev tzedaka v'chesed, yim tzachayim tzedaka v'kavod. A person who pursues charity, kindness, will find life, charity, and honor. And it's a whole, this is a Gemara that we can discuss about tzedaka, it's a whole other discussion. 
about actual charity, but here the Gemara focuses, the Medrash, the Gemara Baba Basra uses this to talk, to give us lessons about tzedakah. Here, we're going to focus on something else. The Medrash says, Ze Avraham. When it says, Rode tzedakah chesed, Yimtza. Tzedakah kavod, Yimtza chayim, tzedakah kavod, is referring to Avraham. Shenemar? Where do we see? What does this have to do with Avraham? Vishomru derech Hashem. The Medrash quotes the pasuk of that the Rambam quoted. Vishomru derech Hashem lasod sedaka v'chesed. So again, roded sedaka v'chesed. He yumtzet sedaka kavod v'kavod. So he was he he followed the way of Hashem to do sedaka v'chesed. Where do we see that Avram did sedaka v'chesed? Next words of the Medrash: Shegomal chesed. Litzara, He did chesed to Sarah, and then it continues yimtza kavod. He's going to also find kavod. He was a rodeitzdaka vachesed, and he's going to find kavod. So the first thing the Medrash told us is the chesed we're talking about is bearing his wife. That doesn't sound like such a big chesed, but it gets more surprising. Continues the Medrash Omer Rabbi Shmuel Bar Yitzchak Omer Lo Hakadosh Baruch HaKadosh Baruch God says to Avram, after he buried Sarah, Ani umanuti gomel chasadim. My craft, my profession, my craft, is to be gomel chesed. That's God. Olav chesed yibane HaKadosh Baruch is constantly bestowing altruistic chesed on the world. Tafasta umanuti. You grabbed my craft. You took my profession. What's that? Gomel Chesed. Where did we see that? Because he buried Sarah. Bo levush levushi. I'm going to let you cloak yourself in my cloak, meaning kavod. You will also merit this great kavod. So, that doesn't sound like a very big chesed to bury your wife. So the Medrash is teaching us that when Avram buried Sarah, he was doing it not as an emotional reaction, not as a societal expectation, but he was doing it as a manifestation, an imitation of the Almighty's attribute of loving kindness. Now, burying the dead, and here we're going to learn something very important about Chesed. The uh, in the end of part in the end of. Um, of Bracious, when Yaakov is on his heading on his deathbed, so he says to Yosef, Yeah, Lamut. We're in uh, Parak Mem Zion at the end of Bracious. Lamut. Yosef. He calls Yosef This was a way of an oath. The Asita Imadi Chesed Emet. Do for me Chesed Emet, and then don't bury me in Egypt, but bury me in Canaan. Says Rashi, what is this? Biz, what is this language of Chesed Emet? Says Rashi, Chesed Emet, Chesed. Sha'osim im hametim, chesed that you do with a dead person, burying them, taking care of their burial needs, 
Hu chesed shel emet. That's true chesed. Why is that true chesed? She'eno mitzapen l'tashlum gumul. Because there's no payoff. There is no reciprocity. The person for whom you are doing chesed, the niftar, is not in any way able to reciprocate. That's true chesed. The only way that could be done is with some higher level motivation. So acts of kindness built on an expectation of reciprocity or as a mechanism for a better functioning society, they are actually the opposite, says Rav Goldvich. Rav Goldvich points this out. They're the opposite of Chesed Shalemet because they're there to provide benefit for the society. What benefit does society have for proper burial of a, of a niftar? In fact, this is one of the reasons why cremation is so prevalent. Is The person's dead. What's, it's over. Let's just get rid of it. Get it out of the way. Society has no benefit from an honorable burial. So what's the motivation for a proper burial? A proper burial for something that has no function in society? It has to be rooted in a recognition that there is a required respect for the quality of a human being created as a reflection of the divine. Society doesn't need that. A person looking to imitate God needs that. So when we're talking about our midos, we have to ask ourselves, are we motivated to do these things? And we hopefully all want to improve your midos. Is it to win friends and influence people? Very popular book, right? Teaches you great midos. Even habits of highly effective people. You can get a better job. You'll have better relationships. But all of this, if you think deeply about it, is self-centered. It's to make you more functioning, better functioning in society. The motivation has to be to transform yourself into a more godlike person. Now, when you're doing that, I want to add here a couple of insights so you'll also get a sense of greatness. The greatness in Midos is not what it appears on the surface. So, first of all, greatness in Midos, if you, were paying, if you pay attention to the Rambam, is balance. It's one of the things the Maral points out in this week's, next week's Parshiot. Avram is sending Eliezer to find a wife for Yitzchak. Anybody paying attention to the test that he gives Rivka? What is the expectation? That a young little girl is going to draw water. There's, the, there's this husky Eliezer with his whole entourage and camels and he asks, could I have some water? And he expects her to draw the water and give him. Wow! Chesed off the charts. Says the Maral, because we're looking for a wife for Yitzchak. Yitzchak's mida was gvura, extreme. In order to create a Yaakov that's going to be the perfect balance, we need a wife that's going to be the, the balance of that extreme gvura with extreme chesed. Just a parenthetical lesson for all of you looking for wives. We mentioned it again in the first Shidduch seminar. Don't look for a clone of yourself. Look for somebody who compliments you. 
But the idea of Miros is balance. That's Yaakov, the perfect balance. We'll have more to say about that when we get into the Parshas of Yaakov. Greatness is balance. The next thing is, counterintuitively, greatness is the little things. A Gemara we always quote many times from Rav Dessler, the Gemara in Avodah Zarah, where uh, Rabbi Hananiah ben Tradion comes to visit his Rebbe, Rabbi Yeshua ben Kisma, and Rabbi Hananiah ben Tradion, if you were paying attention on Tisha B'Av and Yom Kippur, was one of the Asara Haruge Malchus. He was t- tortured and killed by the Romans. And Rabbi Yeshua ben Kisma says to Rabbi Hananiah ben Tradion, I hear you're teaching Torah in public. The Romans said not to do it. The Romans have power over us. You're endangering your life. And Rabbi, Rabbi, just, and Rabbi Hanani ben Tradion's response is, Mina Shamayim Yerachmu. Very frum answer. God will have mercy. So, and Rabbi Yeshua ben Yisba got upset at that. I'm talking logic, and you're talking, you know, some angelic spiritual stuff. Get real. And he said, I will be surprised if you don't end up getting bur- burned with your Sefer Torah, which is exactly what happened. And this is the same Rabbi Hanani ben this is the same Rabbi Hanani ben Tradion that in Pirkei Ovos, when he was offered a lot of money to go and live with some people in another community, and somebody asked me, please come and learn, live with us, okay? And we'll give you a fortune of money. I don't live anywhere except in a place of Torah. He's ready to forego millions of dollars. And obviously there was going to be a lot of Kirov opportunities there. He needs to live in a place of Torah. Again, I don't want to bring that into the uh, practical terms for any of you guys where you're going to live. But he, uh, the, the point here is, he's ready to forego all the money to live in a place of Torah. This is now Rabbi Hanem and Tradion, when he asks Rabbi Shubh and Kisma, where's my place in Olam Haba? Right. This is the person who's risking his life to teach Torah, refuses to go to a place of non-Torah for millions of dollars, and his answer is, well, one year, my money for my Purim Suda and the money for Tzedakah got mixed up. And I just reached into my pocket and gave all the money to Tzedakah without making any calculations. Says Rabbi, Rabbi Shubin Kisra, wow, if that's true, I hope that I have the same place in Olam Haba as you. Says Rav Dessler, what's going on here? That's what made him great? Says Rav Dessler, yeah. The person is not defined by those one-time inspirational activities. Because it could be just a moment of inspiration. It's not defined by something you do in public. Because it could be the social pressure. The real you is defined, A, by what did you do when no one was looking and it was a little thing. Something that didn't look like it's very important. The little things are what define you. And here we get to the other lesson that we have that we always mention, also from Rav Dessler, in this past week's Parsha. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is saving Lot from the destruction of Zdom. And it says, Vayizkor Elohim et Avraham. HaKadosh Baruch Hu remembers Avraham and he takes Lot out. Says Rashi, what's, what's the connection? Says Rashi, because Lot knew when Avram was saying it's my sister, Lot knew it's not his sister, and he didn't think out on his uncle. That's why you get saved for Lot. He's a, he, look at the Hafnosas Orchim he just did. 
He just took in angels and risked his life. And the only reason you're saving him is because he didn't rat out his uncle? No mafia guy would do that. Says Rav Dessler, Lot's agenda in life was money. That's why he moved to Zdom. And Avram had no inheritors. All Lot needed to do when Avram said, it's my sister, raise his eyebrows. The Egyptians, go like that. The Egyptians will start investigating. They'll kill Avram and Lot inherits all the money. He controlled himself in that point. Hachnosus Orchim says Rav Dessler, he grew up with that. So if you want to know where you are and what your spiritual level is, don't look at all the things you were habituated to do. Look at the things that are little, that you have to overcome a Yetzirah that make a difference. I'm just going to say, tomorrow night we're going to have a Askara for Rebendel Farber, Zechrona Livracha. He was the embodiment. And you'll probably hear much about it from the people who will be speaking. I'm not, I don't think I'm going to speak. I spoke at the Leviah. But I just want to add one, one point then. The little things that come naturally. I, one of the Talmudim was telling me he just every time he all he needed for inspiration was to look at Rabbi Farber. You guys missed out on not seeing him. But it was a person who worked on himself. It didn't come naturally. You know, if you talk about he's just a natural nice guy. This was work. Okay, just to show you what little things are and how conscious you can be and why he is such a role model. He was such a role model for 30 years. I'm only going to mention, I mentioned it quickly at the Leviah, but one of the Talmudim last night told me that, that, that like when I mentioned it at the Leviah, he didn't experience it, but I, the story I told, but he said, oh, I could see that's Rabbi Farber. There used to be pay phones in the yeshiva. Pay phones. You had to stand in line to make a phone. There were no cell phones. Yeshiva had, a, had its own line, and phone calls cost money. Every phone call cost money. Rabbi Farber refused to use the yeshiva's telephone. He stood in line for the payphone. It's yeshiva money. What right do I have to make personal phone calls on the yeshiva's phone? Till I had to convince him that it was in the yeshiva's interest that he not stand in line for the payphone and go to use the yeshiva's phone. But I had to convince him. That he, he only did it because I convinced him that it's the yeshiva's interest. Sensitivity to yeshiva's little things. He was, nobody paid attention to it. Right? But he, he was so sensitive to every little thing. That's Midos. And I think, again, the stories are going to be a legend. I'm not sure what exactly you'll hear tomorrow night, but you should certainly pay attention because if you want inspiration of greatness in Midos, you need role models. And you need to know that it's not the big things. It's the little things that you do that you habituate yourself, that you don't think are very important. They're very important. Greatness is in the details. Greatness is in the little things. Greatness is when you have a challenge that people, oh, that's no big deal. And you make it a big deal, not because society benefits, not because you're going to get anything back from it, but because you want to be a more godlike person. That's greatness in Midos.